0: I am so excited to welcome Avery to the podcast. Avery is someone that I really enjoy working with. She is a client, but she's also someone I am inspired by. She has been someone I worked with at Vayner when she was working in the media division at Vayner Media, went on to build a company for VaynerMedia in Singapore, which like, how do you just move to this foreign country to speak a language you don't know to build ads for an audiences that you don't even speak the language of which the ads in which you're creating. So I'm very excited to hear about that. But more importantly, is now she's the president of Vayner3. Vayner3 is a consulting firm that helps businesses understand how to integrate and build in Web3, if you want to launch an NFT project, if you want to integrate from Web2 to Web3, if you want to learn how to get educated at this space, if you are really interested in learning about blockchain technology, what's now and what's next, Avery's the one that you go to. She is the woman that has built this company from ground zero. She has an incredible team working under her. But Avery, really excited to have you on the show today to talk about all things Web3 and how you got into this space as well. I'm so
1: excited to be here, Maha. You know, I'm a huge fan of all things
0: Maha, so I'm honored to be a guest. So Avery, when, when Gary contacted you and said, go start an agency for me in Singapore, what was that like? like? How did you do that?
1: Yeah, so I've been working at Media for about um, just a little over a year when we first started having discussions about Singapore, but I'd spent the majority of my career at Google, where you also worked as well, Maha. And Google's a very, very big ship. And one thing that I immediately loved about Vayner was the ability to really chart your own path. So VaynerMedia had been exploring Singapore for many years. Like, you know, I think we had had the entity set up for like six years before we officially opened it. And, you know, Gary mentioned they were thinking about trying to bring the magic of VaynerMedia um, to the world of, of Asia. And I was like, sign me up. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Uh, my husband was doing a lot of work in China at the time. So it was something that we were already thinking about. So the alchemy was kind of perfect. And we launched uh, VaynerMedia in Singapore in July of 2019. I think you had come out with us on a trip in May with Gary and he'd done a little bit of sort of vetting and scouting and we were thinking about what that would be like, Um, but we officially got started in July of 2019. And it was such an amazing journey of learning, exploration, figuring out a whole new world for us and quickly realized that Singapore, while a huge hub for multinationals, It's only one small part of the puzzle. And uh, within a couple of months, we started to build out our offices in Tokyo and Bangkok and then Sydney and Hong Kong um, to service our partners, which we are primarily working with on a regional basis.
0: Do you still do like stay in touch with the team there? And are you still like tied to like building? Like these are all the people that you hired.
1: It's so funny. I was literally right before this, I was just working on a deck. We're actually working on uh, an idea for the Philippines, um, which is... Uh, a new market for VaynerMedia. And we're working on a launch for a, a big partner out there. And uh, the Philippines is actually one of the most crypto literate nations because of Axie Infinity. Um, so we were talking about doing uh, a sort of first foray into Web3 um, for the VaynerMedia APAC team. And I talk to that team like every day, whether it's you know kicking around different ideas and concepts or just checking in, it's, it's awesome to stay in touch with them. And I'm so proud of what they continue to be building.
0: Yeah, you obviously built an infrastructure and a team and an infrastructure for them to build up. So you're in Singapore. Gary calls you and says, we have a new company. We'd love you to come run it. And it's about NFTs. What was that conversation and what did you know about NFTs at the time? Yeah, well,
1: it was really, really early before when Gary first was starting to think about NFTs and he was learning about them from some of his friends who've been sort of web two leaders and investors. When he first mentioned NFTs, I literally didn't even know what NFT was. I had to Google it. I was like, what, what is that? Um, but uh, you know, this is all happening during the pandemic, like lockdown period. So people were spending a ton of time at home. So yeah. I had more time than usual to like go play around with Discord and like watch YouTube videos and listen to clubhouse spaces and just learn. Um, I'd been an investor in crypto. Sort of casually and passively for you know five years or so uh, since I lived in San Francisco. So I actually had Ethereum and Bitcoin and Litecoin, but I really like never didn't know much about it. I was just kind of like you know at an arm's length and. Knew what it was. I, it, you know, I bought it, and then it like went up, and then it went like way down, and I kind of forgot about it. I literally had to have like, you know, show my passport to get back into my Coinbase account, and like then when I checked it, I was like, oh wow, this this bounced back nicely, and that kind of gave me my first little like seed fund to, um, to start messing around with NFTs. And, you know, I'm more, a person who likes to be hands on when I learn, so I was hearing things and reading things, but when it really started to click for me that the consumer blockchain is going to change like everything and you know such a significant um technological development was when i really started to play around with it myself and see that transparency whether it's moving money from person to person and peer to peer or transferring nft assets that level of just absolute transparency is unlike anything that we've seen in the web2 world um especially because it's entirely like uh decentralized it's not like this is happening through a specific company who's auditing all these files so i started to get hands-on with it really listen and learn and then talk to people in the space who had been doing this for a very long time, who were real OGs. Um, and I learned a lot from them, too, where, you know, right after this, having a call with some of my earliest teachers who, you know, answered all my questions and really helped to shape our initial thinking around what's the right way to enter NFT market and, and to understand the sort of OG Web3 consumers. And when you said consumer blockchain, what is that? The blockchain um, that consumers will be familiar with, right? Like there's a lot of blockchain applications that will be the same as like cloud computing where a normal person won't necessarily know about it or understand it. But I think that the transparency of the blockchain that exists in consumer behavior, like selling, transferring money, transferring items, the fact that that, you know, today Ethereum is like the gold standard for how that's done, but in the future it could be other things as well. That idea that it's blockchain enabled technology that consumers can see and understand was very, like, just tremendously interesting to me. And I think it's something that we'll see have so many applications beyond just, like, the narrow um, focus of NFTs, which is, you know, we started with, like, an inch wide and a mile deep, just really getting that. Um, But over the past year, we've really broadened our thinking to be looking at how the blockchain can enable all different types of things, from supply chain efficiency um, to NFTs to cryptocurrency and so much more.
0: So one of the things, Avery, that I love about how you operate is you really help people go under the hood to understand what they're doing. So you've been dealing with all these big brands to explain to them, why should you launch NFT? Why should you care about Web3? What's the biggest thing that they ask you that you think if everyone understood this thing, that then it, they would get it? Like a, con- a common question that arises from clients that are brands that are trying to get into the space. Yeah, I think they, the
1: most common question that I get multiple times a day is like, why would someone want to buy an NFT? And, uh, I think that the way I answer this is starting by giving a little bit of history of how much time we spend um, in our digital lives. Think whether that's a Zoom call or that's, you know, playing Fortnite or that's your kids playing Roblox or that's you scrolling on TikTok. um, You know, the average American person is spending like six, eight, 10 hours a day on screen time. And if you think about that amount of time, you spend all this time online, but you don't actually own anything. Nothing comes with you from site to site. Um, It's, the last two decades of internet history has really been built in these walled gardens where you're working across different ecosystems, but you as the user don't actually have an identity that moves with you. So it starts to click for people and they're like, okay, yeah, I spend a lot of time online too. I also don't have anything that represents who I am. And I also have no interoperability. That's when it starts to click to them that like digital asset ownership matters. And it can't just be a screenshot of a JPEG, right? Because again, back to that blockchain, that blockchain verifying the ownership and the provenance and um, the history that's really what underpins all of this and makes it really interesting um so i think that's the most common question i get is like why would i want to buy an nft i could take a screenshot why would someone pay that amount of money for it and um really explaining the history of how much time people spend online and how little they how little control of their identity and data they really are able to
0: take with them in today's uh digital ecosystems. So it's such a new industry. So everyone's trying to learn what would be like three practical things you would recommend if someone wants to learn more about this space, because it's always do your own research, like don't invest in an NFT or don't, be, don't buy land in a metaverse or whatever activity you would do that's a new behavior in Web3. What would be three practical things you would recommend people to do if they wanted to get more into this arena? I would recommend people start with a small amount of money. Like, don't
1: think about this as a big investment, right? Think about this as a little learning budget for yourself. Create a wallet, which costs zero. Create a wallet, maybe across multiple blockchains. You can start with one or you might want to do two so you can understand two different ways of approaching um, NFT collection. So I always recommend people set up a wallet. They like really take the time to understand why decentralization matters as well. You can't call MetaMask and get your seed phrase back. Um, that's not how it works. So, uh, take time to really get it set up yourself and set up properly. And then actually go and like, look into things that you're interested in, whether you're a big fan of a musician or maybe you like contemporary art, or maybe you like sports and you want to collect a sports NFT, look into something that you genuinely have a passion point around, um, and get an NFT that you enjoy. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It doesn't have to be a hot mint. It can be something like, Hey, I like this artist going to collect a piece, Um, Hey, I like this sports team. I'm going to collect a digital asset that they have available. Um, So you get really hands on with it yourself. Um, And then I would also recommend joining a community. This is something that costs you $0.00. I think there's some really interesting subcultures being built right now in Discord um, or even on Twitter, which is easy to follow as well. So if there's a program or an NFT brand that you're a fan of, start following them and understand how they're communicating with their community and team, uh, so that you can really get in the mix and start understanding. It's a small subculture, but yep. it's one that I think has outsized impacts. Like crypto is culture right now yep. um, in a lot of ways. So I would recommend those two things, get a wallet, join a community, get yourself involved and start participating.
0: Did you, um, when you first started, you joined a bunch of discords, you said you started learning and then were you just like listening and watching, or were you engaging or it can be intimidating to like, talk to crypto people if you don't know anything about it
1: oh yeah it's very intimidating to talk to crypto people who because some of them are so beyond deep into this that you know it's like their whole life right if you're a beginner right now there are a lot of resources like a year and a half ago there weren't many um so uh i did comment in some of the discords but i was also doing a lot of like listening and reading and under there's almost like they a particular language and vocabulary around the like web 3d gen talk yeah. so you start to understand what all this means their own acronyms what they mean why that's significant what are the sort of influences of culture that like spawn memes and things like that i think you have to listen and get it before you can really be participating in like a lot of this memeology um but i would say that now it's a bit of a different game because so many Uh, communities have been built with the goal of onboarding people and especially onboarding women because, you know, the space is disproportionately like white, cis, male living in a tech hub area right now. Um, But that's changing rapidly. And, you know, there have been many projects that have taken like real uh, steps to try to onboard a broader group of community people who are interested in this space, but might not have been the tech early adopters. So of course, that, that makes a bigger barrier for them, right? Because not everybody has Ethereum they bought five years ago. Sometimes people are buying it fresh. And it's a you know can be a big investment if you're looking at some of these larger projects.
0: I do want to go talk about women and Web3 a little bit. So there's some very female founded led projects that are out there, but you don't have to be an artist to be involved in web three and start your own NFT project. What are some of the ways that women could get involved in this, like either job opportunities or, you know, there's ways that they can get involved in web three. That's not the only ways to do it is by starting your own NFT project. I love that you just brought
1: up um jobs in web 3 because i think that's an area that a lot of companies are looking to hire actually a lot of them are looking to hire people who work on my team um, mm-hmm. which is funny but i think that there's a real like dearth of people who are specialists in this area so as an individual person like you don't have to be an artist or launch a project but you can get really into it and understanding even things like the vocabulary of crypto twitter and what's important and, What are the tokenomics that are working today versus tomorrow? Um, I think being a a very active student and strategist around it is a tremendous opportunity for some of your listeners who might be, you know, based outside of the United States. Like, you don't have to be based in the U.S. You don't have to be based in New York or Miami to be participating in this ecosystem, which is really global in nature. So um, I think being a student of it and being a strategist, whether you're a writer or you're a thinker or maybe you're a person who's great with data making dashboards. It's literally how I found my head of strategy. He was making these dashboards on Twitter and, you know, we became friends and I hired him um, to work for for our company. Um, That's a great way to get yourself noticed. Like social media is Uh, a great way to bond with people and meet potential employers and meet potential friends and connections, um, that, uh, can have a real impact on your career. Cause if you're just looking at people who are like web three specialists or NFT experts or crypto advisors, a lot of times those people spend a lot of their effort marketing themselves versus really being in it. I think, you know, being able to produce content like this that shares your knowledge is, um, is a really incredible opportunity for people to spread the word around things they're passionate
0: about. hundred percent. So I want to talk about two things that you touched on just before I forget both of them. One is web two to web three. So like, let's say you are a content creator, you're a copywriter, you're a creative person, you are an engineer, you're a coder, you work in web two. How can you bring those skills into web three? So what is the, what are there opportunities and overlap in your viewpoint? How, how will that work? Cause you interview hire, you're always looking for talent. How, how does that work?
1: I actually think a lot of the people who are deeply like experts in web two are needed in web three, because one of the challenges right now is people are very myopic. They're so narrow-minded of only wanting to reach the web three native audience. When reality, the web three native audience is a million people and we need to reach billions. Right? So being able, if you're a copywriter or you're a strategist, like, if you're a coder, being able to design things that have mass scale and appeal is a huge advantage. If you've worked on, you know, big uh, intellectual properties or big programs or big brands, um, understanding what, how those work is very important to bring that skill set to Web 2, to Web 3. You know, we talk a lot at V3 about sometimes us being in more of a Web 2.5, where we have to make something that is, interesting to a broader swath of people than just the crypto native crowd I think that's a place where many are looking to target the crypto natives only and we believe the opportunity is actually everyone it's yes the crypto natives but also everyone outside of that designing programs that are interesting and fun and you know have uh, are desirable to a, a broader swath of users
0: you talked a little bit earlier about the culture crypto is about culture and you mentioned D what are dJs? Um, Web 3 degenerates or NFT degenerates is
1: an affectionate term sort of self-dubbed by people who are really into, uh, you know, whether it's trading coins or trading NFTs or trading uh, different cryptocurrencies who are kind of degenerating in and out, buying in and out, um, oftentimes with an eye on making a profit, but also oftentimes almost for entertainment, kind of like traders. Um, there's a little culture around those folks, uh, in, you know, whether they're into what affectionately dubbed shit coins or they're into the NFTs or um, they're into different currency and sort of day trading that there's a pretty active culture around those uh, individuals as well, because the market's so volatile. So if you have a good sense of like pulse on the market, um, that's actually, I think, a legitimate profession for a number, for thousands of people is they've gone sort of full time into this. Uh-huh. I do yeah. want to clarify that at V3, we're not in the D-Gen. Um, yeah. we yes. more, we're more enterprise level thinking about uh, how things can, how this D-Gen culture um, can shape a broader sort of cultural movement um, into the world of Web3 and, and NFTs. Uh, but yes, that is uh, an important part of crypto Twitter.
0: Yeah. And it's actually a very different, like it has its own vernacular and has the way that they do things. One of the interesting things that I find about uh, Web3 and especially all these NFT projects in Discord are these mods. And most projects, the moderators are volunteers. How, how does that work, like where you are basically outsourcing your community management, responding to customers, answering their questions, building brand respond I don't get that. Like how it's like you taking all your social media accounts and hand them over to a bunch of volunteers. Explain how that works, because it's fascinating rule that just works for Web3.
1: Well, because Discord is really an always-on level of community management, it's not, you know, it's not like post on Instagram every other day or even post four TikToks a day. It's 24-7 playing ping pong with your community in the Discord. And you need really active community managers. Mods have sort of been a community-sourced volunteer program for a lot of NFT brands where dedicated members of the community might be, you know, uh, responding to things that have been frequently asked before. They may have heard the founder say something. They'll direct um, users to like when the founder had had shared a piece of information. They're really deeply super passionate, super fans, if you will, of the mm-hmm. NFT brands. And over the past 18 months, we've seen a lot of these um, volunteer mods actually become full-time employees of of different projects, whether that's BeFriends or that's LinksDAO or that's Nouns, um, a lot of these, or World of Women, a lot of these dedicated superfans, in fact, go on to be full-time employees um, of the communities that they've dedicated a lot of their time into, but it's certainly not something that we've seen in the world of Web2, just because we've never seen this level of unprecedented Always on sort of chatter. If you look at like a, a contrasting point, might be something like Reddit, where Reddit, there's very limited community management in general from brands yes. um, and from, from IP owners. But in Discord, you know, having folks from the team who are sort of communicating uh, has been really, really important. I think on the flip side of that, though, one of the challenges that we also see on Discord with a lot of NFT brands is. These mods, if they're not uh, fully approved, they generally don't have full like rights to change everything in the server, but if they have any special rights, um, it's a little challenging to necessarily like guide and supervise these folks if they're not full-time employees. They don't really understand the ethos of what, uh, what the NFT program is trying to do.
0: Yeah, it's a challenge. It's actually one of the, like, maybe I'm bringing my Web2 brain to Web3 thinking, like, how am I outsourcing it? But that's one of the things you're not supposed to do is apply Web2 thinking to Web3. I know we have to go and we're out of time, but I just wanted to say, Avery, I'm really grateful that you spent some time with us today. Before I let you go, I want to talk to you about what do you think is next? What do you think is going to be happening in, like, a year from now if we to do this podcast What are some things that you would love to see? What are you visualizing, manifesting? What are you seeing is going to happen in the industry that we should be aware of trends or insights that you may have?
1: I think in a year, Web3 will be way more global than it is today. Um, I have a lot of passion around building an Asia-Pacific market from my previous role. And I think we're going to see some tremendous growth coming out of really like cultural centers like Tokyo and Seoul. Um, I think we'll see use cases beyond just sort of uh, the profile picture that's already kind of ended. And I think in a year from now, the market will have really matured to show a lot of enterprise use cases of you know, organizations integrating NFTs and blockchain into their sort of day-to-day loyalty programs, their rewards programs, um, their experiential opportunities. I think there's gonna be a lot of enterprise level use cases and a lot of non-US based success cases um, that will be coming out of these incredibly creative hubs and centers. So I, we're manifesting that, we're manifesting a team who's dedicated and, you know, who's proud to be shaping the future future of this. And and I think the last thing that yeah, we look forward to is also a wider adoption of crypto. I think that is a huge gateway unlock that we're expecting um, will be happening, if not in the next 12 months, in the next 36.
0: And lastly, uh, V3 does incredible educational workshops. I know I have a big audience in Dubai and in Egypt where we'd love to get uh, Avery to the region to talk to you guys and to really educate more about what they do and uh, I'll put a link in the bio and in, in the story of the of the podcast and the notes so that you guys can get in touch with her and the company to get more to what V3 is up to. Stay tuned. I'm trying to get her to Egypt. Maybe by the time this gets out, she will already be there. But thank you, Avery, for your time today. Thank you so much, Maha, and thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, we're
1: always happy to, to be a resource. Hit us up V3 Vainer3 on Twitter, Instagram. If we can ever be a resource.
0: Thank you for listening to Savvy Talk. I'm Maha blu and I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Mahagaber and Digital and Savvy for more information, including some snippets and highlights of the upcoming guests and talks. Anyways, all's good in the world. Hope you guys are great. Staying healthy and safe, and uh, thanks for listening.